So as I said, I've been on sabbatical for six months, and what I know about this BEMA right here is that there's a lot of stuff inside of it. And usually, if you look inside of this BEMA, you'll find something appropriate for the season. So um, it's funny I said that I found reading glasses, and I guess that's starting to be appropriate for my own season, but it's not about me. I actually found something else which is more appropriate for our season. So Rosh Hashanah is in a few short weeks, and August 19th is actually, about a week from now, is the first day of the month of Elul, which is the month that precedes Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the celebration of the world, of the creation of the world, and it is on Tishrei 1, on the first day of Tishrei. The month that precedes it, Elul, is a very difficult month because it's the month that we have to prepare for what's going to happen on Rosh Hashanah. And I have to say that when I think about Rosh Hashanah, often I think about the different ways that we can approach it. And in our secular lives, if you were going to be judged about something or tested on something that was very important to your life, uh, had to do with your livelihood or your finances, not necessarily your soul, you would probably prepare a lot for it, right? If given the time. Rosh Hashanah is the time that begs us to prepare. And in our tradition, it says that we have 30 days, actually 28 and a half days, uh, to prepare for what's supposed to happen to our spirits on Rosh Hashanah, which is that we are supposed to do something called a cheshbon hanefesh, which is a spiritual accounting for these 28 days, so that when we get to Rosh Hashanah, we're ready for the, I don't want to say the end point process, but the culmination in a lot of ways, which the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are called the 10 days of tshuva, of reflection, repentance, and I think more and more kind of realignment with the way that we think we should be living. The acronym for Elul, Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, is from the Song of Songs, Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li, which means I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And the rabbi said that Elul is called that because the beloved is God, and we are God's beloved. And so this is the month that we are urged to really draw close to the God that's inside of all of us. In an Aramaic, which is the vernacular of the Jewish people, when um, the months were given their names, uh, in, that, in that language, the word Elul means search, which I think is quite appropriate. The oldest known Kabbalistic text, the Sefer Yetzirah, teaches us that the month of Elul is connected to the letter Yud. And if you know the Aleph Bet, it is the smallest letter in the alphabet. So that we're supposed to, in some ways, become very small ourselves um, to contemplate what has happened not only in the last year, but in our lives that has brought us to this point. During the 28 days that we have between the beginning of Elul and Rosh Hashanah, every single morning we're supposed to blow the shofar. And there's three blasts that you blow, which are tekiah, shavarim, teruah, and tekiah again. And I grew up in the reform community in Chicago, and I never heard of that. I never heard any shofar blown every single morning. Nobody did it in Glencoe, Illinois. But when I went to rabbinical school in Jerusalem, I lived next to this tiny little Ashkenazi shtibel, which is like a, a tiny little synagogue, and maybe every day they had 10, 12 
very old men who would wander in there. And so that's when I learned about blowing the shofar at dawn for 28 days. <laughs> I was three buildings away. And so I thought, what a beautiful custom if you liked sunrise. And I don't know why, but in rabbinical school, I didn't really take advantage of it. I would be upset, and then I'd go right back to sleep. But isn't that what we all do? When you think about Rosh Hashanah, there's a, you, know, you can really think about it for 28 days and get ready for it, but how many of us do that? I, I don't think I really even do it enough, and I'm really preparing for Rosh Hashanah. I'm preparing for all of you coming and for us to be at this spiritual time of year together, but then I don't think I take enough time to really get into the 28 days of Elul. So usually when I talk about something I'd like to charge all of us in our community to do, I do it from the standpoint of, well, I've done this amazing thing like Havdalah. I love Havdalah. It's Saturday night. There's a candle. There's wine. There's spices. There's singing. My favorite things. You should do it too because I think it's important. But this year after my sabbatical, I would like to charge us with doing something in these next 28 days something I don't think I've ever really taken advantage of, which is the Elul practice of Musar. Can everybody say Musar? Musar. Musar. Has anybody here ever heard of Musar? Okay, a few people. It's something that I read about and learned about in rabbinical school, and actually Rabbi Helen Cohn for a few years was doing a Musar practice. But I actually want to revive Musar, not just for you, but for me. It's a spiritual practice of... Looking at our behaviors and looking at our character traits and trying to refine them. And it doesn't matter if you're two or three or if you're 90 years old or maybe even 100. Um, Every single year, Rosh Hashanah says, look back those 28 days and try and refine yourself and figure out a way of reflecting on who you are and how you are in the world. So to do that... To do that, I want to explain Musar for a moment. As these are being passed out, I'm going to ask you not to read it this second. Um, But at the top, you'll see it says, for you, this Elul. So I I printed this up specifically for all of you, this Elul. And I'd like to ask all of you to do something different, this Elul. Musar is this path of contemplative, um, contemplative practices that have evolved. It's not something that happened in Berkeley in the 60s or made up by the mystics. It's something that's been going on for over a thousand years. And actually, in the 10th century, the texts that we're going to talk about were used until about the 19th century when the Musar movement of Musar practice, which is about refining yourself, reflecting, and then realigning your behavior and the character traits that you have, um, really opened up away from just the Orthodox community. And in liberal Judaism, Jews now, since the 19th century, have been practicing the Musar practice. And so what I, what I did is at the front of the piece of paper, I gave you the explanation of what is Musar, um, and then some resources. And on the back, I gave you three different websites to go to. So the reason I think this is so important is because the abstract ideas of doing tshuva, of reflection, and of getting to this place where you're doing a cheshbon hanefesh, or an accounting of your soul, it's really easy. I mean, how many people here procrastinate? Right? I mean, who doesn't procrastinate? And I know it's possible that even if I'm saying this right now, that I might skip a few days because I get really busy, as we all do. But what I'm asking you to do is not get that busy, but look at this as a spiritual practice. 
And you don't have to dedicate yourself to all of the 13 midot, these 13 character traits that are written on the back. But I'm asking you if maybe one or two or three of them jump out at you that you haven't really contemplated in your own life in terms of your behavior, maybe this is the month that you have to work on them. So when you get to Rosh Hashanah, you really have an intention set about what this next year is going to be like. So let's look at the back of the piece of paper for a moment. And you'll see um, the three websites that I've given you. One is Reform Judaism. One is the Musar Institute. And the one that I found most interesting is called LetMyPeopleSing.com. And if you go to LetMyPeopleSing.com, Jewels, they have something called Jewels of Elul. And it's the technological way of getting yourself jump-started to do Musar practice. If you sign up on that website for the Jewels of Elul, you give them your email. Every single morning from Elul 1 to Elul 28, you're going to get a rabbi's, a cantor's, a Jewish theologian, a philosopher's commentary or thoughts or story for that day. And even if all you do is not delete it, even if all you do is not delete the jewel of Elul that comes to you, and you just read it, and you don't do the other stuff, dayenu. For this year, it would be enough. You just read it, and you say, it's Elul 4, or it's Elul 17. There is actually a practice that, um, in Chabad, I believe, because the 18th day of, um, of the month, the 18th of Elul, is supposed to be the um, birthday of not only the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, but also the founder of the Chabad movement. So starting in the 18th day of Elul, which gives you 12 days, there's a whole other practice where you look back and you spend days 18 through um, 30 reviewing the whole year. So day 18, you look back to last year's Tishrei, and then you move forward every single day and think about what that month was a year ago, and then six months ago, and then actually till this last month. But this practice is taking that jewel of Elul, or reading, or intention, and focusing on it every single day. And you take these character traits, equanimity, patience, order, decisiveness, cleanliness, humility, righteousness, frugality, diligence, silence, calmness, truth, and separation. Now, I could say a lot about all of them, but I'm not going to. Because a few of them, you're going to say, you know what, I'm done with that. Or I'm not ready for that. But a few of them, I know, you're looking at something and you're thinking, just today, I was not patient. Now, these are not the only one. It's not like this is the David Letterman's top 13 midot. There's many different midot. There's actually um, a list of, I believe, 49 more um, in Pirkei Avot 6.6. So if you really want to go, you know, just give up your jobs, give up your, your daily life, and do the Musar practice 24-7, there's plenty of midot, or character traits, that you can work on for these 30 days. So I would take, if I were you, well, I'm me. I'm going to actually dive in, and I'm going to try and do this for the 28 days. And what I'm going to do is, in the morning, I'm going to read the Jewel of Elul. I'm going to figure out one of these that I'm going to work on that day, and I'm going to write down my Kavanah in the morning. Now, it's going to take me two, three, four minutes. It could take you 15 minutes. It could take you one minute. Write down your intention about being patient or being generous or righteous or silence. That's a really hard one for me. I always think somebody's soliciting my advice, so I forget to be a good listener sometimes. So silence is about just taking a step back and being quiet. Um, 
Equanimity. Learning when not to engage in something that has to do with conflict. I mean, I, I, I had a moment on the way to synagogue tonight where something happened where I was about to do something very rash. It takes a lot to get, to get me that upset. And what it was is I was driving to synagogue, I was in Golden Gate Park, and I drove by a guy in an SUV, and he popped his cigarette butt out of the window onto the ground. And we were driving. And I, if I had been at a stop sign, I would have gotten out of my car and picked it up and given it back to him, <laughs> which, I have done, which I've done before and told people, like, do you live here? I do. This is not a trash can. It's our city. You happen to be in the park. But what I, oh, I realized I wasn't at a stop sign. I was in the middle of the road and people were driving by and I couldn't jump out of the car and, and get enraged. Um, I think that was equanimity. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. So I have to figure out what, what does that mean to me specifically? Um, what makes me feel impatient? What is it that makes me feel impatient? And then how do I work on it if I'm going to say patience is my midah for the day? And you could do it. I mean, it could be who, in, who here is under 10 years old? Raise your hand if you're under 10. Anybody under 10? Under 10? Anybody under 10? Okay, I'm going to give you one, one midah for this Shabbat. It's sharing. Sharing. Okay? So try this Shabbat, if you're under 10 years old, or even, you know, under 100, to share. Okay? It might be harder than it actually sounds. So my, my suggestion is do it with me and send me some email reflections or come in and knock on my door here at the synagogue now that I'm back if you feel like you're stuck with one of these or you want to work something through. And I also would suggest you go to the website because it'll give you a real template for what the next 28 days could be like. So I'm going to end now by um, doing what Jews have been doing for a long time as they're on the path to tshuva which is blasting us awake. And I know it's not yet Elul. I mean, it's not yet Tishrei, and it's before Elul. But I want you to be reminded that this sound shouldn't just wake you up on Rosh Hashanah. This is the sound that's supposed to wake us up and tell us, you know what, you're not perfect. You've still got a lot of work to do. You know, Howard, you look shocked. Howard, none of us are perfect. And that we all have a lot of work to do, no matter who we're in a relationship with, no matter who we live with, no matter how old we are, and that Rosh Hashanah is our beautiful tradition's way of saying it's time to reorient ourselves, to reflect, and come out next year with different intentions about who we want to be. And so, Marsha, will you come over and give me the calls for the Elua Blast? <clears throat> Tikia Shvarim Trua Tikia which means may you have a good month of Elul and take this stuff seriously because I really am this Elul. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.